Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. We're back with part two with Sir Nookie of Edmonton Hash. He was identified as the eldest active hasher. There's been a challenge to that and we'll investigate it. But today we'll talk about travels and events and history with Sir Nookie. Let's talk about special hash events. Of events that Edmonton has hosted and ones you've attended like big red dress runs and things like that. Yes, we've been doing red dress runs since about 1990 two or three, until this last pandemic hit. And we were also getting nervous about red dress because it's now become the, the red dress has become significant for the the, the Indians. Uh, what do they call them now? The uh, Indigenous. Yeah, indigenous. Really? I didn't so know that. We thought we would change it to purple dress. Ah. So some of us went out and got purple dresses ahead of time. Then along came the pandemic, and the whole thing got down and went down the drain. So we haven't had a red dress run since, or oh, even a purple run. There are green dress runs, there are pink dress runs, there are white dress runs. So this may be the first purple dress if you rebrand it, yeah. Yes, I think we got it from the San Diego Ash, huh. which is where, where the red dress run started. Well, the red dress, but not a purple one, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> That'll no. be new, okay. We've had over 200 people attend our red dress runs. We do it in a, a curling rink that's in the middle of, oh, April or May. The ice is gone and it's down to the wood floor. So that's where we hold it. And we have food and then we have a dance and then we have a draw and all kinds of silent auction items. And we try to raise money every year for a particular event like uh, cross cancer, little kids that are on the street and people like that. Or, and you've had as many as 200 people running in red dresses on your local red dress run. Yes, we have. Wow, that's big. Nice. It, we've been running from this ice rink, curling rink for some time. It got really a lot of publicity. We'd have people go out with little boxes to put the money in and we'd canvas people on the street. So we'd stop people on the street and get them to donate money and some people would throw in $20 bills and yeah. it ended up to um, several thousand, like up to $15,000 a, a day. Wow. From the money they collected plus the money from the auctions and so on. Right. We only did that once a year to make money for uh, uh, charity. Yeah. So do you have a collection, in addition to, we talked about your hash t-shirt, et cetera, collection, do you have several red dresses now? We eventually became the place where people came to swap red dresses, because who wants to wear the same red dress after <laughs> year? You know how embarrassing that could be for a, a Harriet, especially. And of sure. course, us guys dressed up as girls with dresses. That was hilarious. We've got... Uh, a history of, of a lot of, of fun things that have happened and raised a lot of money, but it's now died away because of the conflict well, with the indigenous folks. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. What other events happened in Edmonton? We've had bond runs, James Bond runs. Several of us have sports cars. I, I own a little Miata, our current RA, Big Rubber. He has a MG. Several others have had sports cars over the years. So we would come 
dressed in our tuxedos, tuxedo tops, and shorts on the bottom, and driving the sports cars. Muddy billed herself as Muddy Penny, and uh, <laughs> she got all gussied up, and we had a guy, idiot savant, one of our guys, who's a, who does a lot of ultra runs. He um, he was dressed up as Bufor, guy with a, a sort of a pantsuit on with, with a scar on his face, and um, it, it, he's the nemesis of... Uh, I think I think that might be the nemesis of Austin Powers, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> the, the comedy nemesis. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Evil. You know what? You look a little bit like Doctor Evil. Yes. <laughs> at, at any rate, we'd have a a hash hold where we had shaken, not stirred martinis. Nice. It had martinis. In fact, I've still got a couple of them in the house here somewhere. Uh, it got to be a really fun thing to do, and we always did it downtown. So mm-hmm. that meant raising all kinds of <clears throat> upsetting people, as you can imagine. Right. That's so great. The year we had the um, Canada hash here, we had a, a bond run as part of it one of the days. Ah, nice. That's back in the late 1990s. Yeah. So that's another run that we've done. And there were well, three or four of us um, were the hares for the bond run. And all you had to really do was have a sports car. <laughs> and so my little red Miata was perfect. Yeah. In fact, I still get compliments about it all the time when I go out in my sports car. Then we had a, several other hashes sprang off as part of the Edmonton hash. One of them was the old Strathcona hash, which is an area in uh, on the south side of our city. Have you ever been to one of our runs? I did. I made it to an Edmonton run once, about 15 years ago. Oh, you must have been there when I was there, but I'd remember an ugly face like yours. (laughs) That's what everyone says. There were a lot of hashes that that sprang off. This old Strathcona one was a no-frills hash, and it ran every Sunday at 2 o'clock all year round. Muddy and I... Uh, sort of looked after it near the end, but it started off being a picture taken of the hatch, plus somebody signing in on a sign-in sheet, and we had books, we still got them, books and books of the sign-ins and the pictures. But after a while, we began to say, well, what the hell are we going to do with these things? <laughs> up, you know? And we quit doing it near the end. And we have we've had a bike hatch, which we call a bash, yeah. We've had a music hash with several people. Muddy plays the guitar and three or four other people. And somebody plays a, a saxophone or I play the mouth organ. Yeah. And away we get together and have a um, session over at Mr. Lube and Wrist Action's house. Nice. And uh, he was sort of the ringleader of that. Let me do a calculation here. So it's 27 years and you've hashed on the daytime hashes. But if you had to guess how many trails you've done, 27 years. Oh, worth. I've done over a thousand. I have a book given me when I've completed my thousandth run with the hash, the uh, EH3 hash, the mother right. hash here. Yeah, I've done another several hundred with the old Strathcona and the mash. And the, hey, I'm sure I'm, I must be up around 2000 by now. Yeah, nice. That's a pretty good, yeah, it's a pretty good count for... 27 years because more than one a week average yeah we've had bitumen hash where some of the guys who are really hot runners did it on a thursday night because our hash normally runs on monday night in the summer 
We've had full moon hashes, usually uh, uh, once a month on a Friday night. And there's also been a lot of eclipse hashes because Dr. Diddle, the guy who sort of made the eclipse hash come together, he's but the ringleader with those full moon and eclipse. Wow. We've had a walking hash for a while, and, but it sort of melded into the big hash because there's more and more walkers all the time and fewer runners. Yeah. Were there any walkers at the very beginning when you started? Yes, there were. There oh, was there were. Okay. Hash. Okay. And we always looked down on them, of course, because they <laughs> only walked. And it sort of faded because it got uh, uh, people kept more people started walking than ever. So yeah. it became part of the hash, and they would, they'd set a run for the runners, and sometimes they'd set one for the walkers. Uh-huh. And usually we'd just say to the walkers, well, you just find your own way around and come back here in 45 minutes, and we'll have a hash hold. So mm-hmm. they weren't treated very uh, nicely by the, the runners, but we all became walkers, or and I even, I'd become a driver. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One year... When I turned 69, my slogan was, will I be able to do 69 when I turn 69? <laughs> At any rate, for my birthday run that year, they decided that they would rent a coffin. And we put, we put the coffin in my neighbor's garage, hid it there. And then some of the pallbearers who had shirts on that said pallbearer on them, and then they carried me into the circle in the front in my front yard. They wanted to dig a hole in the front yard and put the coffin in it, but I drew the line there. (laughs) I showed up in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of fun with that. I used to call myself Mr. 69 for about 15 years till I got into my 80s. And then I started to uh, proclaim how old I was. And now I call myself Sir Nookie Mr. 892. And now, as of today, it'll be Sir Nookie, Mr. 93. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, well, pretty soon it'll be Mr. 99 and a half and 100 and a half. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's something else that happened. A couple of years ago when I turned 90, there was a beer market downtown that advertised, if, if it's within a week of your birthday, we will give you a discount based on your age. <laughs> oh, so no. I thought, aha. I'm turning 90, I'll get 90 effing percent off of my meal and food and so on. So I did, and we had family and friends, it must have been 25 people or so came, and they all paid full price except me. <laughs> but then we got smart. So next year, when I turned 91, 2019, before yeah. the pandemic, I thought, aha, I'm going to order expensive. I ordered a $300 bottle of wine. I paid 30 bucks for it because I got 91% off. And I passed it around to all my friends. We had a great time. I think that might have contributed to their decision to not repeat the discount first based on a person's age. And we were kind of wondering what would happen when I got to be 101. I (laughs) I might get 1% back. We never got that far. We've got runs that women do called the Xena Warriors Run. And um, there's two or three people that do that every year on a regular basis so that we, uh, when I'm hair raising this year, we'll be asking the people who do the Xena Run to do it again on a certain day of the year. 
And what what happens then? Oh, they get dressed up with these costumes, uh, sort of like Vikings. Yeah, Xena the uh, warrior princess. Uh, yeah, with a helmet and uh, things sticking out and so on. Yeah. And, uh, and we wear sort of tiger clothes or something that would, would show you you're, you're being a warrior, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And we've had a lot of costume runs. But we tried to get them to somebody to do a Halloween run this year, Prince Tickler and myself were the hair raisers. Uh, we found out that Dr. Diddle, whose birthday was November 1st, said, no, I will do, I'll be the hair of the run, but it's going to be the day of the dead run. You can right. come dressed up as your ancestor. So I wore Scottish clothing. Oh, that's mm. another thing we used to do. Every January, we have a Robbie Burns run. Five or six or ten of us, no, maybe eight, got dressed up in, in our, and we have a friend who plays the uh, bagpipes, and he would pipe us into the circle every year, and we'd have the Scottish flag flying, and we'd all walk in, and it would be a, a, a Robbie Burns run, and it would be a Scottish theme. So everybody was, was encouraged to wear kilts and so on. Right. Yeah, and that was another one of our regular runs. Nice. That's a lot. You guys have a lot going on with a lot of spirit. We've had um, harvest runs in the fall. And when Tulanan was in his prime, he would bring a full dinner and we'd have um, a vote on it. Or I forget how they decided who, who got to take it home. And then when he backed off and didn't come much anymore, we started doing it, encouraging people to bring their own things for a, for a harvest meal. And somebody would generally donate the, the turkey and other people would bring things for it. And we've also had orphans runs. For example, Mr. Peanut, you know, the guy you know, Joel yep. Wagner, right? Yep. He would have a, a, an orphan's uh, Christmas dinner and he'd have all the people who are single in the hash come or would be invited to come. He'd have 15 or 20 people would show up. Right. So it got to be a, a, a thing that he did. Quite the family effect and family feeling of the hash group, yeah. Anyway, those are some of the, the, the favorite kinds of runs that we do. And um, we hope to keep that sort of thing, that spirit alive. The hash is changing with more and more people walking and fewer and fewer people running. I don't know where it's all going to end, but, well, seven years from now, I'll probably be croaking. So that doesn't matter. <laughs> For you, what was your approach to herring when you first started setting trails? What what did you think and say, okay, I'm going to set a trail? Oh, what was you your approach? Be, you've got to be devious as hell. When <laughs> I was learning how to do it, people like Splash and Dash, the uh, grandmaster, would take me under his wing. In fact, we try to do that now with virgin hares, get people to who are experienced to show them the ropes. Nice. So what we tried to do and have always tried is not to make it impossible to find, but difficult. I'd lead them down the garden path to a false run, and then they'd have to come all the way back. For example, on, on Saturday last, we have a set of steps going down into the valley, and we took them uh, down the steps to the bottom, and then we had three stripes called a, a check back. Mm -hmm. And somewhere between the check back and the last check, the run goes off in a different direction. Do you I'll find guys the truth. Follow that. 
Uh, that symbol was actually used in Cairo. A lot of hashes will use CB for check back or they'll use just an F for a false trail. Yeah. But uh, Cairo actually used the three lines for well, a Well, we, we use an X for a false trail. Okay. But, but that means you go back to the check and then uh-huh. go there. But the check back, somewhere between the check back and the check, there's a an alley or something where the trail goes a different way. Turn off. They've, yeah. got to, they've got to go back and look for it. So that, it spoils it if you let on too much. If if you're a hare and somebody asks you which way to go, you won't necessarily tell them the right way. <laughs> and people will get mad at you when you're supposed to be. They supposed to, if, if they hate you, you've been a successful hare. So with that size hash, do you guys generally have a chalk talk at the beginning and go over the marks every trail? Yeah. Well, we've had about three times trouble. We had an anthrax scare a few years ago. And about a year and a half ago, we had this um, run to set in an off-leash dog park. And this lady came along with her dog, and the dog sniffed the pile of red-colored flour because it was when there was snow. (laughs) So we had to color the flour. Mm -hmm. And she got the cops involved, and we suffered for about two or three months over not ever putting down colored flour. We could put chalk marks or or maybe little ribbons tied to a tree, but we wouldn't dare use colored flour anymore. And, of course, once the snow disappeared, we're back to using white flour. So far, we haven't had to use colored yet, but it's going to snow in one of these weeks, and we'll be back to it. I think most of the people in town have forgotten all about the poison. Most hashes have gotten in trouble with white powder. Colored powder usually keeps them out of trouble. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Where was the last big event that you got to? We talked about some inner hashes and your hash. Where was the last big event you went to? Vienna, okay. We, We flew to Brussels. And we rented a car in Brussels, and I had got an employee discount rate because I was driving shuttles for Davis Budget uh, back in 2018, I think. We rented a car in Brussels and drove to Vienna, and I had the time of my life. We were driving 160 kilometers an hour, and people would whiz by us. I was surprised. <laughs> you had to watch that that passing lane. You didn't want to get in, in the way of one of those guys because they were just driving like mad, and nobody's stopping them. I did get one speeding ticket from a place in Austria, but I solved the problem by putting return to sender, recipient deceased. <laughs> <laughs> And that worked. I never never heard from him again. <laughs> that Euro hash you went to, was that that wasn't was that camping or lodging? What was the lodging? Oh, we that? were in a hotel. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We I'm I'm past the point where I'm on a camp. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm, my kids do. When we used to, we had a tent trailer and all, but not anymore. And I like my creature comforts too much. Yeah. Do you have plans to go anymore once COVID all settles down? Do you think you'll get on a plane and go to any more big events? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go. We were just talking to our sister-in-law in Brussels this morning. My wife was planning to go over there and swim the Copenhagen Harbor with her because she has a swim team in Brussels that she swims with. And they once a year in August go over to Copenhagen in Denmark, swim around the harbor. In fact, I got Muddy a, a wetsuit to wear, so she'd be all ready to go. But by then, the pandemic came along yeah. and it all got canceled. Now we're talking about a different group that my uh, sister-in-law has 
that, that do a, a swim in the islands in Greece, which ah. would be warmer and much more pleasant. And mm-hmm. we're thinking that we'd love to go down there and do that because yeah. I got to get to these places before I get too old to travel. When we travel a lot now, I'll get a wheelchair. And if you're going through a place like Frankfurt in Germany, and you've got to go from one side of the uh-huh. airport to the other, you you need transportation, like they do in Calgary, where they've got a, a, a little cart that takes you around. Mm. And I think they do that in um, England. And, um, and Heathrow? Heathrow, yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether you care, but you're going to have to acknowledge you're kind of now a pretty big VIP as Elvis Tasher running. Yes. So whenever you travel, you definitely, I think if you even have a layover in an airport, you need to let people know and hashers will come out and <laughs> want to have a beer with you. So we, I think we might need to have Sir Nookie travel schedule for once things open up. Well, if we get to go and they relax the rules enough, we'll definitely go. And yeah. I'll certainly be going through Brussels. I think I think people would really like a chance just to even if they can just catch up with you for a short afternoon sip or something that would be good. Yeah, cool. Well, that's something else we did on the way to uh, KL. By the way, in '98, mm-hmm. one of our guys married an Australian lady and ended up going to live in Sydney, where she was from, and he wanted to get married. So four or five of us went with our tuxedos and shorts. And we were at his his uh, wedding and gave the groom away, so to speak, wearing these outfits. And that was a, a real hoot. Let me tell you, that was fun to do. Who was the hasher that got married? The guy that we came to see was Tailwagger. Okay. He started a Canada Day hash in Sydney uh, with his son, um, because he's Canadian, of course. Yeah. I think they had it on Thursday, call it Thursday night. So That's something like... else that happens here. We have a, a ladies' hash, uh-huh. and it only runs on Friday the 13th. So <laughs> last year, the only Friday the 13th was, I think, in July or August. Muddy was the RA for it. French Tickler that you may have heard of. She's the grand mistress. Mat- mm-hmm. Mattress. Grand mattress, yeah. You have been in these mismanagement roles. Have you run some circles, or have you done some circle, even though you haven't been yeah, RA? I- I've filled in a couple of times. Or a hat that said temporary RA on it. <laughs> What's your approach in the circle when you were in charge? What did you do? First of all, you, you see if there are any virgins or visitors. And you call them in and then you introduce them to the hatch by saying, um, Hi, I'm the RA. My name is so-and-so. And we'll introduce ourselves by each calling out their name by going around the circle. And we get... Oh, between 80 and 100 people out every run, or we were before the pandemic hit, we go around and say our name. Then when that's done, we call the hares in. Oh, first we see if there's any announcements, because people like me would jump up and say, I got an announcement, we need hares for October. And um, <laughs> I had a guy come over to me the other, the other back in, in September and said, yeah, I wouldn't mind helping do a run in, in October. And I said, well, what's your name? Begging for it was his name. He got, <laughs> he got named while I was off in the summer. I'd never heard of him before. I said, well, who will you'll want to get someone who's experienced? Oh, no, we don't need it. I thought, okay, smart ass, you're going to fuck up. <laughs> he said a beautiful run. It works perfect. Yeah. So 
A hash savant, yeah. After the announcements, then you um, call the hairs in. They show the virgins what the marks are like. What What's this? That's on, on. What's that? I have to check. And where do you do? And you have to look for within 100 hash meters of the, and so on. Mm-hmm. So they explain all that. And then we say, okay, which way are we on? And they point in the general direction of the flower markings and way the run go, way the runners go. The walkers hold back. And then the person who's been appointed as the walking hare takes them on a circuitous route around the rough inner circle of where the runners are going. And was hash singing a part of it when you joined? Especially when we're punishing people. Yeah. Here's Asher's. He's too blue. He just, you know, we have several several songs that people have learned over the years, like "We Are the Hairs of EH3" and so on. I I won't try and sing it for you. We have a hash song master or song mistress who leads us in songs. Yeah, we do a lot of singing, and we when we come back to circle up at the end, that's when we do the punishing. And we have a, a guy dolling out beer for the punishment in the middle of the circle. And the RA calls people in and they've been, or anybody who wants to lay a charge about somebody who's done something wrong or smart or clever. And they get punished for it. Or we'll have a birthday and people have birthdays. They call them in and they, uh, they get punished with a down down with a, a glass of beer. In fact, over in Brussels, when they were punishing us because we were visitors, they don't have a, a little glass. They had a great big fucking barrel. And it co- it probably held about three or four beers. And you were expected to drink the whole thing down. Yes, I've, I've been through some of those. Gave it a go, yeah. What about gits or performing? Have you ever gotten on stage at a hash for one of these acts? Is there hash acts out there? Or is that ever no, something? Some of these... Like the Euro hash, they'll have a, a program up there and they'll, people will be performing. Yeah. But we don't normally, oh, at Christmas, we've had, we've had people doing things at Christmas at our Christmas party. We've had people sing and play guitars and songs that, that identify people who are naughty people. And we have a naughty schoolgirl runs, matter of fact. Is there, Several people in our hash who are either teachers or uh, connected in some way with education. They're the ones who do the naughty schoolgirl one. For the Edmonton hash, what is the youngest person that usually comes? Is it just 18 and over? Or are there any kids? Well, we say in our hash that people under 18 aren't, uh, aren't really welcome. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't encourage kids. You think you've been on a hash with an 18-year-old? Do they actually come that young to the hash? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, when we went to Spain one year and went hashing at Madras or Malacca, and we went there and and they had, the whole family came out. We were staying at a place about three hours away, and then when they finished the run and went for an on-on later, we said, well, we better go because we still have a three-hour drive ahead of it. Oh, no, we'll come and stay. And we stayed over in their place, and they let us sleep on their porch, and it was great. (laughs) <laughs> they were so accepting. They didn't say, well, you're not going to steal us blind or anything. It's a, There's a, a sort of a code in the hash that yeah. I think we all respect. People are, you can trust that if it's a hasher, you won't have to worry about them stealing yeah. your stick. Yeah, no, they'll fix what they break and leave everything better than they found. Yeah, it. yeah that's yeah. generally what happens. If you show up at a hash event, 
there could be 70 or 75 years between the youngest and the eldest at that. Oh, yeah. That's insane. So, sure. That's a couple well, I'm of a very young 93. Yeah, sure. Like a lot of people my age are either dead or incapacitated in a long care, long-term care home. Yeah. You're certainly a VIP of hashing now that people will all want to meet up with. So we need to, everybody needs to keep tabs. so? Oh, absolutely. If we're ever together from now on, you're up on stage with me be, having a down-down and being introduced with everybody. We might bring up the youngest person just to see how how many years span we have. But people will love everyone. Wants, everyone's going to want to meet you when they find out that you are the eldest standing hasher. It's a, it's a pretty cool to talk to you. Well, um, we sent out uh, notices about me, oh, maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. through... Um, Mr. Peanut, actually, mm-hmm. asking, was there anybody older than my 92 at the time? No challenges. Yeah, Darwin Dawn from Australia died about 18 months ago. In 2018, he was 92. Uh-huh. And he was in Fiji Interhash. He died since then. Yes. And you, you've made it past 92, and you are, as far as we know, the elder. That could be some guy who's still running up and down the hills of Malaysia. We don't know. He doesn't even speak English. Who knows? Well, but as far as we can tell, there's not even a really a, a sec, a really close second place. I think 90 might be second place. Oh. Well, we'll see. Yeah. But, I'm looking uh, forward to being a... A celebrity. I've been interviewed on CBC. Oh, yeah. And when I turned 90, they uh, interviewed me on the radio that morning. Now, I was introduced in the legislature at the the ledge over here in Edmonton as a guy who was 90 and quite notable for what I'd done. You have the the great hash attitude and spirit and sense of humor that resonates with everybody across all the time zones, across all the countries, across all the decades. So it's really well, that's great. what it's all about, having yeah. fun and staying and, exercised so you don't get too couch potatoy. <laughs> I figure if I quit exercising first thing in the morning for half three quarters of an hour, I could probably be dead in the next year or two. Yeah. Or in a home somewhere dying of dementia. Yeah. And I've had lots of friends go that way, too. Yeah. It's yeah. sad. Are there any other memorable moments that just were, this is the only place in the world this could happen is on the hash that you remember? Any crazy stories? Hey, Muddy, come here. She remembers stuff that have happened. Yeah, see if she can like remind that, us of That wedding we went to, for example, in Sydney yeah. was kind of crazy. Yeah, I had something happen about a year and a half ago. I was at the Hashhold sitting in Miami Atta in October, and it was a little cool, so I had the engine running, and I was having a beer that I was sipping, but I had to go pee. So I went out, peed up against the fence because there wasn't any shiggy around to hide behind. Well, there's a guy apparently living there who watches for people like me. <laughs> when he saw me peeing on the fence, he took a picture of me, and then he called the cops on me. So I'm sitting there in the car, motor's running, I'm sipping a beer. Some of the hashers had arrived there for the hash hold, which was in the truck that the hares had put there in the same little circle. Along comes not one, but two police cars, and they came over and they said, uh, would you mind stepping out of the car? You know, all the ring- lingo that they use. What's this? And I said, well, 
having a beer. Oh, and your engine's running. You're having a beer. Yeah, they put the handcuffs on me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they put me in the cruiser. And we have a member in our club who's a, an RCMP officer. And he said that they didn't have to put the cuffs on you. And that was really going too far. Anyway, I was there with the cuffs. My, I was cuffed behind my back oh, for about 20 minutes, wasn't I, Mun? Well, there's another one. There's not a lot of hashers have been in handcuffs on a hash. <laughs> well, I have. Yeah. They towed my car away and I had to go and pay 150 bucks to get it back. And I lost my, they took my license and I got it back the next day, 24 hours. And they said, no, you're not under arrest, but... When you get caught driving and sitting in a car with the engine running and a beer in your hand, that was a no-no. Yeah. So, wow. Anyway. Wow. You what? You might be one of the uh, biggest hash criminals now, too. I mean, it didn't go. It didn't go very far, but there's not a lot that get uh, handcuffed. That's a great story. Yes. Well, we've had some. Oh, that coming to the circle in the coffin was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about the future in terms of what you've seen. Edmonton hash has been very strong for this whole 27 years, right? Apart from the pandemic, right? Right, right. But I'm wondering, is are all the hashers in the world going through this aging process? How are they keeping away from it? Because we don't I, do a very good job of welcoming new, new young people to our act. I think it's a symptom for many hashes where it's a homegrown hash without being in Asia and without being expat. So we're seeing it on all the hashes in New Zealand. Many of the hashes in Australia are just like this. In America, there's a flood of young people that come out after college. It's more of a beer party thing than the running and hashing that attracts them. But a lot of these places all know we need to bring young people in and they welcome them. And there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel. But most of the hashes are small. I grew up hashing overseas as an expat from the 80s in the Middle East and in Africa. And that life is done. Expat life of the 70s, 80s, and 90s is done. There's just not big crowds that look for this kind of lifestyle overseas, which carry it. And then places where the locals haven't taken over, the hash is folded. We used to have hash clubs in every national capital all through South America. La Paz, Bolivia, Quito, Ecuador, they used to be big, big hashes. And now some have rebounded. There's a hash alive in Peru. There's one, Santiago, Chile. There's a couple going in Brazil, but they, they did go down. And Central America, Guatemala, Costa Rica, they aged out. Are they Spanish-speaking people, or are they mostly? Yeah, they're, Mexico City was had a Spanish-speaking hash. It's trying to revive now, and I think it's going to revive in English. There are hashes that certainly run in German and in French. Uh, Damascus, Syria, when I was there once, the circle was in French at one point. Oh, yeah. So it just depends on you know the people that are there, the locals. Rather than doing it in Arabic, French was a very common language, and then the expats could join in. So I think everybody has this aging issue, except a lot of young – there's a lot of young clubs in America and Asia. Asia. 
Bandung has five, seven hundred people at a run and it's families. And it has certainly where there's families and yeah. some of the kids get introduced to it. They go away after college, they come back. So yeah, it's something we're going to see. And the hash is definitely a lot fewer clubs and a lot fewer hashers around the world than there were 25 years ago, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's too bad, but I mean, uh, there may be a way out. There may not. This yeah. pandemic hasn't done us a lot of good. No, this is a big shock that took a lot of clubs offline that they may not recover from and may come back in a different way. Yeah. That's true. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Ron. Yeah, yeah let's bring uh, Muddy Vessel back in here if she'll come in, just to have a word with her, too. Muddy, you're wanted at the door here. I mean, at the at the computer. This, this is your moment. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one who dropped the cups in the mud. Muddy, when did you begin hashing? I began hashing the very same day as him in 1994 in August at the full moon run. So you've been hashing 27 years too. So yeah, you deserve an interview in your own right, but we'll just tack (laughs) on some stuff here. Uh, We heard the story of how you got your hash name from Sir Nookie, but why don't you tell us how you got your hash name? Well, it was around in the, say, the spring or the fall. And in Edmonton, we have a hash hold about three quarters of the way through the run. So it was like hot chocolate with Bailey's. And there were styrofoam cups, and they were all lined up on the back of someone's trunk. I went to get my cup, and boom, they all fell in the mud. Oh, not just yours. Yeah, I know quite a few of them, not all, maybe. (laughs) And then uh, at that time in Edmonton, we had a big bowl we drank out of for punishment. It was called The Vessel. So oh, that's yeah. how I got to the name of Mud Vessel. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that's COVID changed. I don't think we're going to be sharing vessels anymore, probably for a long time. You're speaking with the RA of the Hash House Harry Hicks that only run on Friday the 13th. You've got a special one, a possible date of the month. What is the Friday the 13th Hash Traditions? What do you do on that special day when you run that? What we do is... We call it the Diva Hash because we dress up in glittery stuff and so on. Right. We have, some, we have some champagne or bubbly of some kind like that. Little six at the beginning of the run. And then at the end of the run, we have champagne and chocolate and everybody brings all kind of appies. Do you allow any men there to serve you or anything? <laughs> well, that's quite funny because we certainly have had men show up in, in drag. <laughs> but generally, the guys don't come. They just seem to accept that it's, you know, girl talk and don't go near them. <laughs> Apart from RA and organizing that event, what roles have you taken? I think it was Hash Cash you've taken yeah. in, in the Edmonton? Yeah, pretty soon, pretty um, close to the beginning of hashing. I was Hash Cash for a while. I've done the soft swill where we bring, instead of beer, like some people can't drink beer. So we bring water or pop. So we bring that. And I was in charge of that for quite a number of years. And then with the red dress run, I was the chair of the red dress run for about three years in a row. So that was an onerous job, shall I say. (laughs) Getting sponsors and getting it organized to be in the right place and do all the things like have, because we had with ours as a charity. So there was an auction and there was silent auction and live auction and it's a lot of work to get it ready. Yeah, that's a brilliant event the way you guys did. And did you, you pick a different charity every single year? Yep. Yeah. So a lot of Edmonton charities have been supported through the event. Wow. So the Edmonton hashes, it's not underground. I mean, you guys found out about it from a radio broadcast. Sir Nookie's been interviewed himself. 
Is it well known? Is it a little bit known to the community of Edmonton? I would say it's a little bit known. Sometimes when you say to people, I belong to the hash, they're like, oh, oh no, you do? <laughs> With a reputation known, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there's the drug connotation too. Sure, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to explain that. But mostly they've heard like, oh, that's a pretty crazy club. <laughs> Yeah. You're RA of the Friday the 13th Harriet's run. What is it like when you run a circle? What's your approach to running? We have a, a song that we sing, you know, about, um, I can't remember it right off the tip, top of my head. But she's it's the Harriet, the she's the Harriet song. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we, we usually try to sing that, but sometimes by that time we get to singing, we've had enough bubbly that nobody wants to sing. They just want to go for their little walk or run. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a really fun sociable really yeah have you ever RA'd circles in uh Edmonton have you ever stood in no I have too quiet of a voice I'm just not the one for that <laughs> are you a subject a victim of getting down downs very often or do you manage to um, I get them once in a while for doing stupid things that's for sure <laughs> How many runs have you done with the hash? Oh, I don't know. It's over over 800, but it's not quite up to 900, I don't think. Yeah. If you just put on the spot an event or a place you've been with hatching that was magical or memorable, what first pops into your mind? We went to a post-lube in Thailand after the big... Oh, yeah. Big hash there. It was when the we were went to KL, and then afterwards we went to this little island, Ring Ring Dang, yeah. something on like the that. other side of the peninsula. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, we rode all night long <laughs> in a jeep, and she rode in the back with all the the luggage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when we got there, it was beautiful. There's little huts, and it was so warm and. Right on the beach there. And yeah, that was pretty, pretty neat one. Uh, were you traveling just you two or with hashers? Well, it was, we got their compliments of a hasher. And there was, you know, I don't know, like probably a hundred people at the room. Higgins road. showed up. Yeah. Uh, Higgins? Yeah. They were smart. They flew and we took the, <laughs> the Jeep over. Well, uh, you were very smart because you didn't sit the luggage. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, he got front row seat. <laughs> For you, who are the who are some of the memorable Edmonton hashers to call out? Who have been a big part of your hashing life as hasher friends and hasher? I would say that French Tickler, she's one. Mm-hmm. She is um, one who started the Diva Hash and asked me to come along and join her in that endeavor. And uh, she's pretty fun. <laughs> cool. And she also does the zine. She's the master of the Zena run, too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we heard about that. Another couple, I guess I'll say, that are good friends over the many years in hashing are Bouncer and Piss Up. Mm-hmm. They've been hashing a long time. And they've done a little bit of traveling to international hashes, but not as much. But they're really faithful Edmonton hashers. And they belong to the running part of it for years on end, like I think as long as us. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, we have so many friends in the hash. It's hard to pick. But yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, we're not trying to make a list of the best. Just see, it's just people do have fun hearing names that they know or they may yeah. listen to this. Yeah, cool. Yeah, of course, um, Mr. Peanut, he's, you know, instrumental to hashing all over the place. <laughs> were you guys aware, he got up on stage at Interhash and tried to bid to bring the Interhash to Edmonton. 
Yeah, yeah, we were there then, and we said, yeah, if you bring it to Edmonton, we'll help you, Mr. Peanut. You you were behind that. Okay. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, it didn't happen. And there's no interest in doing it again, huh? That was a uh, one not time. really. No. It's happy birthday, son. Oh, nice. <laughs> wow. 6 a.m. this morning. <laughs> As Elder Hash standing. Elder okay. Hash are standing. It's really good. So it's good to meet you, too. I haven't been to Edmonton for about 15 years. We'll have to get back out there. We're going to have to go because we've got company to help celebrate my birthday. Door neighbors, and they don't even hatch. Nice. Well, thanks for spending some of your birthday with me and with the On On podcast so hashers can get to meet you. It's, it's been a pleasure. It really has been fun. Let me ask you one final question. You can both answer it. Is the RA always right? Of course. Always. And he can wear a hat and we can't. We have to take him off. Yeah, he's the, the ultimate in charge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Muddy? Well, I think they're supposed to be, but sometimes people don't necessarily listen very well. <laughs> okay, we'll take that as your advice. No, I am in Toronto. Your phone not... says Florida, huh? Yeah, I used to, I'm American too, and I got a Google Voice number, so this is my computer phone. You don't even look American. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I'm from Pennsylvania. On, on. Okay, on, on. That was hashing couple Sir Nookie and Muddy Vessel with 159 years between them, and Sir Nookie at age 93, one of the eldest active hashers in the world. This is the On On Podcast. Hasher stories, hasher voices, hasher history. New episodes every week. Until next time, On On, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet child, coming for to catch.